You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Welcome, welcome, welcome to F1 with DRS. I'm Dan Rather. I'm joined by Charlie, Mad, and Jethro. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> what time is it there in your candy-striped room? It is 4 p.m. Ah, have you fully recovered from the race? Um, yeah, so I was in Italy, so I just got back, I landed back into the UK at 11 o'clock this morning, got home, I don't know, 1.30 or something, too, maybe, because the bag took forever, but yeah, I've been amongst the Tifosi Dax. What's the Tifosi? It's the Ferrari fans, that's what you call them. So I was um, oh. I was at Monza, uh, Sports Car Championship, World Insurance Championship, but it was cool. I went there last year, this is the Ferrari effect, so I went there last year, they sold, I think, 6,000 tickets. This year, Ferrari are back, and they sold 65,000 tickets. Wow. Oh, wow. 10X. Well, it's, just, it's a race? You got to be very literal for me. I'm catching up. Yeah, yeah. It's a World Endurance Championship, so it's prototype sports cars, long distance, so it was a six-hour race. And Ferrari came back this year. They won Le Mans like a month ago, which helped as well. So all the Ferrari fans were there expecting them to win. It was a million degrees. But Monza is really awesome it's such a cool place because it's got the new track and then it's still it's built within monza park which is i think it's the biggest walled park in europe it was commissioned by napoleon's stepson started in uh, 1808 the park became real then they built this big banked steep circuit in 1922 and then now there is the new circuit I'm a little still hung up on the notion that um, Napoleon had a stepson. So he he grabbed a gal that was already with children. I don't know the full details. That's of, a curious. Um, I would imagine Napoleon had his pick of the litter. I think maybe I like him more now. He's like, yeah, I'll absolutely take on a stepson. So long as he builds a <laughs> racetrack at some point. Yeah. <laughs> well, he commissioned the park and then it's beautiful. So you're in the middle of the park history all around you big bank circuit and then the new circuit is like super fast unfortunately ferrari didn't win and toyota won so not quite the romance that you would want but they came second so it was a pretty good weekend all round me and charlie raced at monza last night 
So you know it well, the Ascari yeah. chicane, the Parabolica. Mm-hmm. The Bolognese, the Ziti. <laughs> How were you through the Parmesan complex? I think I, I won by 12 seconds. Over Charlie. He's kicked my ass in all of them. Wait, are you guys now, but you're both at home in your own respective homes on a sim? Yeah. You figured all this yeah. out? I mean, it took the first night we were on speakerphone. It took two hours to get a five-minute race in because we were, ran out of time by the time we set it all up. But <laughs> now we got it dialed in, and yeah, Matt kicks my ass every yeah. time. And we have good setups, but not like... Like people I know can get up to a hundred thousand dollars. We're the low end, but a good end. And I leave feeling like I did drugs. Like it's I didn't expect this. I leave the race like my I'm physically shaking. Like I did a race because the steering wheel's like moving. It shakes when you go over the curbs. It like has tension. You feel the oversteer, oh. understeer. You feel everything, and the pedals like are legit. We're in racing seats. We both have the exact same setup. And it feels like legit. Hold on. What was the price tag of these rigs? And or were these gifted to you guys somehow? No, nothing gifted. I want to say the steering wheel and pedal combo was like 350 and the chair was 250 or something. Yeah. Like that. And then the PlayStation's like 500 and the game's 100. That's like baseline. So we're about a grand to get into it. Yeah. And I think it's worth every penny of it and i'm just here to convince both of you you got to try one of our rigs because i think you might slightly change your mind and also what's cool about it is you really get to know the tracks coming up to a race like i did silverstone a lot leading up to the race and watching the race was different i don't know you get a different feeling for it but i think dax needs jeopardy in his life so if if dax is going to do it you need like if he goes off the track someone's throwing knives at him or something otherwise it's it's not going to work just give the girls wiffle ball bats and they sit on either side of me so if i go (laughs) off to the right they belt me in the side of the head you know matt my hesitation or reservation is not that the buy-in's too much or that i won't enjoy it it's simply when am i going to do this do you see the level of frustration when i just signed on i'm in a hotel room with four people running around doesn't matter how many times i told them i just need a minute by myself to do this what is work let's you know i mean we all know we're fucking around but you know it's under the heading of a job i can't clear out (laughs) 40 fucking minutes for work so the notion i'll be in some simulator and everyone's gonna be cool with that is a complete fairy tale and you should sim your heart out because you're trying to have kids that's over for you okay get it all in do you jethro have time to be racing monza with friends no, no, I'd love to, Dax, but I don't have time to have a shit these days. So the, <laughs> the thought that I, could, <laughs> that I could race a sim is, is not happening. But what, what? who do you play as, boys? Who is, this is the key. Who Who are you? Yeah, what's your code name so people can find you? We've got a couple different, couple different leagues. setups. So there's one where you can just pick a track and race, and those cars are just generic. They're your own car that you build, kind of. But we created a career mode where I chose a Mercedes, but my own character, and Matt chose a Red Bull, his own character. And so we raced through the season that way. You do practice qualifying the race, and it's just like a regular F1 season. And there I'm substantially faster because I'm in Max's car, and each car is exactly like 
the car that's racing on the track in the current season. Last night, Matt and I were playing. It was kind of late. And <laughs> on the weekends, we let the boys sleep in the guest room and they share a bed. They sleep in there as opposed to their room. And so it's summer. They were going to sleep in there. And I'm like, no, you guys need to sleep in your... And that's where my sim setup is. I'm like, no, you guys need to sleep in your bed tonight. <laughs> and I'm like, it's Monday tomorrow. You got to get going. And Ace is like, it's because of the game. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm going to sit in here and play this game. They were so pissed at me. So pissed. <laughs> of course. And so Erica goes and puts him into bed and... They're just still complaining. And Ace like, I know it's because of that fucking game. (laughs) (laughs) He dropped an F-bomb over it. Well, great. You just reminded me of yet another reason why I can't have it. I I have a no games policy in my house. There's no way I'm going to be sitting there playing games and telling them no video games. It's work. It's work. It's research. In the garage. It'll be separate work. You're going to study about a track and it's important. I need to tell them I'm building a uh, storm cellar in the backyard and that I'm just prepping food in there. And yes, that'll maybe be where I get all my sneaky gaming in. (laughs) Yeah. You could watch YouTube videos about the track and someone else doing it, or you could do your own research and drive the track. So, you know, it's, there's justification there. So what did you think of Silverstone? Because it is an awesome track in an F1 car. man. It's fast. It's like, there's almost no braking. It's just full out fast corners it's so exciting well they were saying that was part of the problem with regenerating the battery on the race right there's almost zero time to regenerate at silverstone yeah and that's one thing i'm learning in the in this as weirdly i'm learning in the sim it's like wait these people have to like let off and you're worried about someone passing you and you're kind of breaking early you're breaking more intensely and that kind of is like with someone riding up your ass, that's terrifying to have to then regenerate. Well, I imagine you're waiting till you get into turns where it's like the only line through the turns, the one you're on. So you're free to back them up as yeah. much as you want at that moment and then exit speed with your battery charge. And they do a lot of lift and coast as well, don't they? To mm-hmm. save fuel or if they have brake temperature issues as, as well. So at the end of the straight, instead of jumping straight from accelerator to brake, you lift off. They pull, what, over a G and brake and even when you just come off the throttle. Oh, really? And then you wait a little bit and then you hit the brake. So that's the amount of drag they have. So they'll produce probably more braking force than most road cars just when you lift off the throttle. Yeah, remember what car was it? It was some BMW Jethro that came out and it had a G meter and its big claim, or maybe it was the 911. Its big claim is that it would pull a G in accelerating, braking, and skid pad. So in all directions, the car was capable of a G. Yeah, a, a really good high-performance road car now is, it depends how you measure G and everything, like if it spikes or constant, but maybe 1.2, 1.3 is pretty good going. Under brakes, I reckon you'd get more than that on a road car now, maybe 1.5 or 2G. No, I'd say 1.5G maybe. And then these guys can pull 4.5G under brakes and then something like 6G, wasn't it, round... Um, was it Magello or somewhere? It was like super high G-force, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know if I've seen six, but I've definitely seen north of five. They're like regularly going over five. That's insane. Okay, so Silverstone was epic. And I think we should go through the weekend in order because Charlie pointed out on the group text that it's silly we don't make a bigger meal out of quality. Because I will say quality was maybe as exciting as the race in so many ways. This whole weekend, I think, was the best weekend. Yeah. And I think quality was better than the race. And the race was incredible. But it was just so action-packed down to the last lap. Yeah, and unlike the race, there was a real sense that anything could happen. Almost everyone had a turn there up in the top three. And you kept thinking, oh, wow, is it going to be that team who's got the advantage? And the conditions were changing really rapidly. 
again, you know, my conclusion, it's like, despite all that, and, and seemingly it wasn't going to happen for him, uh, you had Lando, it looked really like he was going to cinch Paul. And then Max, who wasn't looking very promising, just, and he was down in uh, sector one, he was, it was yellow. You're like, oh, f- he fucked this up. But then, of course, magically, yep. he squeaks in there. I mean, it, was inc- it was a nail-biter of a quality. And I love these, like, the do-or-die situations in quality, where we saw Perez go out first, set an incredible lap, but the, you just know that everyone has one lap, and the track's getting better, conditions are getting better, and it's like that time from being a provisional pole is just dropping. Everyone that finishes a lap just dropping, dropping, dropping. And it's like no room for error. You know everyone's improving, and that top spot just didn't hold. Yeah, and they don't know how to play it. It's going to go one of two ways in each session. It's either get out there fast because rain's coming, and even a marginally good lap might be enough as it disintegrates. And then conversely, it goes the opposite direction as it did in Q3. It's like the longer you waited to go out and save your softs, the more you were rewarded. But you couldn't tell. It was just like, oh, what's it going to be? It's either going to be you're better off at the front half or the back half. And every team had a different rain prediction. I heard different radios. There was like four different thought processes. Like the rain's going to come in five. The rain's not going to come. The rain's only going to come at this corner. And that was exciting because everyone was on different strategies. It doesn't seem like it would have been that hard. Jethro, you know the geography around there. To have four human beings east, west, north, south of the track by three miles just to say whether it's raining on them or not. The funny thing is they used to do that, I think. But yeah, it's... I mean, it's really flat Silverstone, so you can actually see the weather coming in because it's just a really flat, it's an ex-airfield. You can see the weather coming in. I had VPN nightmares trying to watch Quali, so I have not <laughs> seen Quali. I saw the race because I'm at, I, had, I had a choice like after this race finished, got back to the hotel, and it was like I knew Quali had been really good, but I hadn't heard the race results, so I, I had to choose one or other and, and chose the race. So I haven't seen Quali, but it, it's worth going back. I think even knowing the results, it would be worth watching. It's worth going back. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'll go back and watch it now that I'm back home. But um, who would have predicted the amount of shit that we've given McLaren that they would suddenly be up in second and third? And also kudos to Piastri because Lando did great last week too, but Piastri didn't have the upgrades and he got him slapped on his car for Silverstone and really just balled out. he didn't even have all the upgrades. He's still lacking some upgrades and killed it. Jethro, do you know technically what the upgrades were? I tried to search it. I'm like, what the fuck happened? That car is night and day different. I think it was um, floor edge and side pods for the first part of it, which was the biggest time difference. And then front wing for Lando this round, which Piastri didn't get, so he got the floor edge and and side pod look. So he'll get the front wing next time out in Hungary, correct? And I think there's another small upgrade coming, but I don't know if it's just the tracks or... It just seems amazing to go from literally... They were horrendous. Probably the slowest car at the beginning of the season. And not only were they better than the other cars around them, but they were actually pretty close to Max. The first time we've seen Max have to actually work to overtake someone and pull a gap. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the great revelation. It was like you watched Quali and there were so many variables happening that it was easy to write off. Well, okay, Lando just shined as a driver. Like he he judged everything correctly. You know, but when it's dead dry and no one has any kind of advantage or disadvantage because of the weather or the surface, clearly the Red Bull's going to fuck off into the distance. Not the case. And then weirdly, Piastri, had he not got fucked with the pit stop, he may have 
overtaken Lando at some point. He seemed to have a tiny bit more mm-hmm. pace despite having one less upgrade or whatever the case was. And we've seen it in qualifying this year where someone has a great qualifying and they just don't have the race pace. And so I was expecting that same thing too. And it wasn't the case. And then we had a safety car in there and it was exciting. And it was the first time, normally Max, even when he's had to make a pass, as soon as he gets by, he's gone. I mean, it's three seconds by the end of that lap and then he's gone. And they stayed close the whole race. There was always a chance that something could happen. Russell even said that Oscar should have been on the podium. He rightfully deserved to be on the podium. So kind of throwing a bit of shade to Lewis. But if it wasn't for that safety car, he probably would have had third. Well, again, that's where we get into the magic of the drivers. It's like Lewis isn't supposed to be on that podium. You got to give it up to Lewis, just like I'll give Mm -hmm. it up to Max in those qualies. He figures it out somehow. I mean, you can keep saying so-and-so got fucked by this pit Mm -hmm. stop or that. But you look at over time. Somehow that guy always makes the right calls. He always ends up on the lucky side of it. I don't think so. I think there's got to be skill there that keeps putting someone like that from eighth to third. But I got to say, as much shit as I've talked about McLaren and Lando, I don't like how he treated our boy Danny Rick. It imbues confidence. When he was out front for those five laps, it's not like when Hulkenberg's out in front. It's not like (laughs) when Joe Grunyu is ahead of, you know, He's out front and it looks right. It fucking looks right. And you're like, okay, now there is a potential adversary. Something about the combination feels substantive. Yeah, and he was just cool under pressure, wasn't he? Radio was cool as a cucumber. Just, it felt like he had it all under control, basically for the whole weekend from what I could see. He rightfully needs to be up the sharp end all the time, I think. Yeah, when he was up in front, it felt like he was still just driving his race. Like, he wasn't panicked, like, oh, shit, I really got to hang on to this. He was just in his lane, driving his race, and it it did feel like it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. Like, he belonged up there. And the restart, that restart when he's on the hard tires, everyone thought McLaren's messed up, they put yeah. the wrong tires on. He continued. And he thought Lewis is just going to drive past him. But it, he's the way he placed the car... Just perfect in every single corner. It was so sweet. Well, it was clear he didn't agree with the hard call, even on the podium. He spent his entire interview uh, throwing Zach Brown under the bus, which I don't mind. I love that. That That was great. I was like, not only is he showing that he's a badass in the car and that he's the team have improved, but he's still giving the team shit, which I think is great. It's like he's prodding them, like, you need to keep up to me. Also, his battles with Max were fucking, they were hair-raising, and he was so in control, and he put, you know, he fought as hard as he could with the car he had. But I thought the stuff between he and Lewis towards the end of the race was just outrageous. I mean, he was so on the line. It was absolutely incredible. And you know his personality that rubs me the wrong way sometimes when he's talking shit on Danny Rick or he's making fun of Max? When he's on the podium, it's, it's justified, and I kind of dig it. I could see myself really locking into his, he's pretty acerbic and he's kind of a rascal. He likes to mm-hmm. fuck with everyone and throw shade to everyone. And if he's winning, that works for me as a personality type. But at 14th, acting like you're better than everyone is a tough look. It's an easier pill to swallow when you're <laughs> second, for sure. I mean, he threw a little shade to Lewis, like, yeah, I was able to hold him off. Maybe he made a few too many mistakes. Like, he threw a little, couple little digs on the podium. Well, because like, Lewis is, is sitting there in his interview and in the room where they watch the shit post-race. He just kept going on about turns 13, 14, 15, how, you know, the car just disappeared. Nothing he could do. And then Max also said on the podium that, it was nice Lando didn't put up too much of fight when he passed him. You know, like they're just kind of digging at each other a little mm-hmm. bit. But it felt like a comfortable podium. Like 
Max had a lot of little competition, still got the win. Lando yeah. was happy up there. He still won by a mile, but if you listen to Max, he acts like it was like a- almost unrecoverable. Yeah. Like he, he kept saying what a tough race it was for them because I guess he didn't win by four. <laughs> yeah. This is something, he's been doing that a lot. He's found this rhythm where he's saying like, this car's undrivable, these tires have no grip. And then he sets the fastest sector, fastest lap. I mean, I think he's, recognizes he's at such an advantage with his car that he's got to make it at least sound mm. like it's kind of challenging yeah. or that not every single thing is working, but he's doing that more and more like a huge complaint as he just blows past everyone. But you say his car and you're right. He has got an advantage with his car, but Perez again shows that it, oh my God. it can't all be the car. The guy, the guy has been out. Isn't it? Albon has it's, been into Q3 yeah. more, more times now than Perez. Like it's, it's crazy. This is five misses of Q3 in a row he's done. Yeah. Consecutive. And Science has had the longest streak of making it past Q1 at 75 times in a row he's made it past Q1. But Ferrari seem to be stuck, basically, don't they? Yes. They, they, they just look like a, a Haas almost at Silverstone. They were hopeless. They seem to have uh, allocated all their resources to the little event you were at. Not at, they, <laughs> well, not at Silverstone. Do you know what? Do, do you know what I was going to say? It's all about confidence, all of this stuff. Mm. And because Ferrari have come in with a good car into this endurance championship, they won Le Mans, you can see it in the team. They've just got a bit of a swagger about them. They know they're quick. They don't make mistakes. And you think, God, this is such a contrast to the F1 team. I mean, they're just like headless chickens, aren't they? Running around. They don't know where they're going, what they're doing. It's it's all about confidence. And they are they are in what Perez is in, which is just a spiral. Yeah. They're in a spiral of confidence at the moment. They're, they're all over the place. Do you see that Saints forgot his plan? Yeah. yeah. Incredible. <laughs> okay. They're like, should we go with plan B? And he's like, what is plan B? And they didn't even tell him. They'll just say, we'll let you know. Like, they, like maybe they didn't know. They thought he would know. There was no plan B. That was the problem. <laughs> I chucked it up to um, th- that plan A was so fucking abstract that he never even knew plan A. No, I think, exactly. I think if I were those Ferrari boys, I'd be like, I'm not even listen to your plan because six laps in, you're going to throw it up in the air and turn it on its head. So why learn it? Yeah. Exactly. Maybe as soon as they start talking strategy, uh, science and the clutch, put the headphones on, zone out. Take their helmet yeah, off. We're ready to go. Gasly was pissed at Carlos too. Carlos was doing an interview in Spanish at the end and Gasly behind him walks by and kind of like aggressively taps him on the shoulder and says, don't squeeze me like that, Carlos. And then uh, Carlos looks at the camera in the interview he's doing and he just says, poor thing. But he said it in Spanish. In Spanish, yeah. Pobrecito. (laughs) Pobrecito. (laughs) Oh, say that again, Charlie. It's so romantic. Pobrecito. Oh, my God. Ladies, buckle up. Everyone needs to (laughs) change their linens. Uh, You know, that just goes to show that hurt people hurt people. So he was bullied Mm. last race, and now he's (laughs) the shit's rolling downhill. Now he's intimidating other people. Did anyone watch the Brad Pitt, uh, Martin Brundle interview? Oh, yes. I didn't see it. Okay, well, I pulled a snippet of it, and um, I can only assume he's talking to us. Okay, you guys ready? Mm Mm-hmm folks on the lines and what we're trying to create in these in these moments wait i want to say i want to i want to for us i want to say you know for all the armchair experts out there you got to give us a little breathing room if you see any spin outs or something that looks like it's a stall or something like that it's by design okay (laughs) i'm sorry did he just say to the armchair expert 
Yeah. He's worried that you're going to shit talk him if he spins out on the track. Does he know nothing about my love for him? He could jump the car off of a cliff on accident, and I would go, now that's how a man goes out with glory. (laughs) (laughs) Do you see his hair blowing as he flew off that cliff? He was so in control as he hit the ground. That's exactly what I would say. There's nothing he could do that I wouldn't think was positive, pre-planned, and perfectly executed. I mean, he did look good in that racing suit. Looked real good. Fuck, I know. When I heard the concept, I was like, no way someone that's 55 is going to come or 58 and be competitive. Of course, then Alonzo's doing damn good at 41. But regardless, then I see old B-Pit in that suit, and I'm like, yeah, this guy's much faster than Max if he puts his mind to it and his looks. If he puts his looks into it, he's fucking going to blast by Max. But I was thinking, I don't even know what the fuck he's talking about with the stalling. But, you know, certainly in the movie, there'll be mechanical issues. There'll be scenes where the car won't start or whatever's going to happen. And the notion that he had to replicate that knowing that everyone in the audience is going to assume he stalled it or he fucked up, it must, yeah. I can't imagine anything more potentially more embarrassing. <laughs> How many more rounds are they coming to? They're filming several more circuits this year, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great they came to Silverstone. There's like 165,000. I was going to say, one of the coolest things about Silverstone, when Lando went past Max, you can actually hear the crowd over the cars, which is, I think, probably the only circuit you hear that. And that was awesome. It's like a football match or something. It was so, you could hear every person It did person sound like a, like a big sporting event, football game or baseball game. Like yeah, yeah. when uh, something happened, you could just hear so loud mm-hmm. the reaction of the crowd, which was pretty cool. Yeah, it was as if it was an indoor arena at times. Yeah. yeah. I was so happy for you, Brits. Not only did you show up, you're louder than hell. It's funny to see you guys. Everyone's so, what's the right word that won't offend the whole island? You know, you guys are pretty uh, buttoned up. That's why you guys drink so much is you need, you need something to help you loosen up. We need something. We need something. Uh, something. But yeah, you need, you need crazy sport or some cocktails. But anyways, uh, to see those Brits losing their shit was so awesome. And then I was so happy for you guys that two-thirds of that podium were Brits. It was just a great weekend for y'all. I was very happy yeah. for everyone. It's a good moment. Silverstone is always a good advert for the UK, I have to say. It's, yeah. it's a wicked place. It's only like 25 minutes from me, so it was actually bittersweet seeing how cool it was and I couldn't be there. It was pretty annoying. How many of the teams are, will we say they're just strictly British? What, there's three maybe? Williams, Aston, and, and, and McLaren? Or... I know everyone's stationed there. I get that part. I mean, they're all British, aren't they? They've all grown out of teams that started in the UK, basically, except Sauber, which is Switzerland, Ferrari, obviously. But Mercedes, their car factory is in um, Brackley, which is 20 minutes from Silverstone. Their engine facility is in Brixworth, which is 20 minutes in the other direction. Alpine is in Oxfordshire, literally, I'd say, 25, 30 minutes from Silverstone. They're all there, basically. Aston Martin's right on the doorstep. That's why it's Motorsport Valley, you know, that's that's the way it is. When I was a Formula One driver doing the van, um, <laughs> it, was, it, it was amazing because I'd drive around this, you know, Motorsport Valley, literally, they'd be like, go to this place. And I'd turn up and it's like a little farm track. I'd drive down it and they're building carbon fiber wishbones. And it's crazy. Like the, the expertise around Silverstone is fantastic. They showed on social media, Aston Martin, from their offices, they showed like a time-lapse of a guy bringing 
Alonzo's helmet to the track. Just this time lapse of all the, you know, getting in the Aston Martin, driving to the track, going in is like 3.2 kilometers or something close. But it was all to show like it's all right there. Yeah, they got their fancy new factory there now. So they're, they're pretty happy. They, they, they were Jordan, which was the company I used to drive a van for. So you could say their success is partly down to me. That's for sure. I just associate <laughs> McLaren so much with Britain. McLaren to me is is like Apex British team. But they all are, you know, they they they're all pretty much rooted around here even if I mean Mercedes is is it Mercedes? I mean is there even any apart from Toto? There's not it doesn't feel very German, does it? Yeah, but he makes up 60% of that team, so it's 60% German. <laughs> That's true. And his presence is bigger than his 60% stake or 50% yeah, that's right. stake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you guys see Max go and congratulate Lando while he was still in the car. He didn't even wait. Like, he was that, yeah. so excited to go over and congratulate him. And then did you guys see this cute picture that went around this week of young Lando and Max? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so funny because what are they, the two years apart or three years apart? And yeah. they, that picture, they look so much different. Max is a giant and Lando looks like a toddler. Max has looked <laughs> the exact same since he was 11 years old, which is really exact confusing. Same. There isn't a photo or video clip of him that doesn't look like present day. They also, the clip went around of him watching, I think, Monaco, <laughs> one of the turns at Monaco, as like a junior driver still on the, I don't know, F3 or whatever. Looks identical. Could have been last week. Like, why is he watching Monaco and not in the car? Well, that's because Yoss would throw him in the back of a van and lock him in until he grew, you know. He'd be yeah. like, grow! How's she not coming out of there? And then he locked him in there again so he didn't grow too big. <laughs> oh, wait, here's a much better theory. I think, you know, as you see in uh, America, Jethro, dudes hold their sons back and lie about their age so they'll be great at sports. So it is quite <laughs> possible that Max is 32 years old and that Yoss yeah. had him driving against four-year-olds when he was nine. <laughs> Birth certificate's been changed. Oh, this is a conspiracy. Brad Pitt contemporary. Yeah, we need to push this conspiracy. He's probably exactly Danny Rick's age. (laughs) I bet Yost would do that in a heartbeat, wouldn't he? Stay tuned for more F1 with DRS. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
you might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong. But these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome back to Collector's Closet, presented by the Ohio Lottery. Let's discuss my newest prize possession, this new $10 scratch-off, the $500,000 Platinum Jackpot. The best method I've found so far to help it hold its value is to vacuum seal it. This thing cannot get scratched. What's that? Sorry, my producer's telling me the only way it could be worth up to 500 grand is if I do scratch it? Okay, well, in that case, definitely don't overprotect your $500,000 Platinum Jackpot scratch-offs. Play them. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Danny Rick's drive-in tomorrow at Silverstone. Yeah. In a Pirelli tyre test, literally tomorrow. So a perfect timing. Perez has had another crappy weekend. If Danny Rick's going to... Any time to impress, this is the time, you know? So tomorrow, hot after the Grand Prix, gets his go. How good can he do, though, about 10 months out of a car? He's been killing it in the sim. They said his sim is looking really, really good. So I'm hoping he's been addicted to the sim like we are and getting real good. (laughs) And tomorrow he's going to have a good big showing. You think how much data they've got. They're pretty smart, aren't they? If if, If they can correlate what they're seeing in the sim with what he's doing in the car even accounting for it being a tire test, et cetera, they'll know pretty well if he's on the level that he should be or not. I I just think Perez is in, he's, he could really be in trouble. Why, why would they keep him at the moment? It almost doesn't matter who's in the next car, so why not take a risk on either Danny Rick, who's marketing gold, or a young gun who could come in and do as good a job, you know? Well, then Max, Max said, uh, of course we're fighting for the team championship, although I can do that on my own too. So Did he, he kinda, say that? He kind of threw him under the the bus a little like yeah we we need a couple points out of someone but i got most of it covered what's sad is you know perez is driving his ass off once he's in the race i mean he he is moving up places it's just heartbreaking to see him put himself in a hole every weekend you know i mean uh-huh. the amount of work he has to do on sundays and is- he would be a shoe-in for the podium if he just didn't dig that hole in in quali i mean he's coming from 13th, 15th, and he's getting all the way up close to it. But if he could just start even top 10 anywhere. Yeah. Well, I would argue he is being saved by Max's brilliance. Because if Max was coming in third, second, if some Mm -hmm. of these races he was not winning and they needed Perez to be up in fourth and second, I think you would see them make a pretty radical decision. But I think they have this cushion that Max has given them that's really buying Perez some time to work this out is my guess don't you think jethro if 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 max wasn't so dominant that there'd be way more pressure on perez to perform yeah i I think if mercedes or ferrari were consistent but the thing is if mclaren become consistent let's say one of those teams suddenly actually delivers every weekend and they're second and third every weekend suddenly they're going to want perez up there um and i think when you've got people like albon doing so well in a Williams, which you would expect to be fourteenth, fifteenth, whatever, it's not a good, um, it's not a good situation to be in. I don't think for Perez at all. Although I will argue, if Sargent was in twelfth in a Williams, that car has improved dramatically. I haven't uh-huh. heard about what those upgrades were, but they seem to have been pretty catastrophic. 
I think since this guy, James Vowles, has gone there... Um, the world's best interview? It, yeah. <laughs> but it's almost like they've done little updates, but it's more like they're just getting everything right every weekend. They're putting all those pieces together, and that's what Perez doesn't do. He nails the race, but he's already messed his weekend up. But they seem to just execute every little bit more efficiently. So I, I think that's really the big change. But the car was quick, and the Albon is flying in it. Well, I got to say, I, I think the... Uh, God, I pray McLaren stays competitive this way because it got so much more fun seeing Max trail yeah. for five laps, to see, mm. you know, Lewis have to battle, truly battle Lando and lose. All that stuff, boy, did it amp it up. So I'm just fingers crossed that these these upgrades that McLaren have are good at other tracks. Now, apparently, it seems that what their real knack is is high-speed cornering. Seem to have a ton of downforce in the high-speed corners. Um, what's our next track, and what's that layout like, Jethro? Is that going to be good for them, or is it more slow? It's Hungaro Ring, so it's in Hungary, just outside Budapest. It's probably the opposite of Silverstone in that it's like a go-kart track. It's like a big go-kart. I love it because it's... You have to scrap your way around it. Um, and I think the cars look fantastic going around that. It's much more, well, I guess it's a bit more like um, the Red Bull ring, you know? It's it's smaller, it's more compressed. And Lando did really, really well there. We know he likes that track. So if they can perform in Hungary, I think they're definitely back for real. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Am I right, though, that the Mercedes is strongest in slow corners? This is what they say, but I have a feeling the Mercedes don't quite know where they're strong, where they're weak. They're lost. And it's it's funny listening to Lewis, and I know uh, Toto's pissed off with him because Lewis was basically like, well, of course the McLaren's quick. It looks a lot like the Red Bull now. And Toto and Mercedes constantly say, well, that's what you can see, but that's a small percentage. I feel like Lewis keeps beating them over the head with this, but he's probably right. Like, if the cars that look like the Red Bull are suddenly going a lot quicker than we are, maybe we should make a car that looks a bit like a Red Bull and at least give ourselves a shot, you know? At least that little piece, yeah, why not? You could apply a new axiom, which is, would you rather be happy or right, or would you rather be first or right? Because I think they're choosing to be right at the expense of being first. <laughs> I think there's a lot of stubbornness playing out at Mercedes, and for them... I know Aston Martin have gone off the ball, but effectively two customer teams now have handed them their ass this this <laughs> year. Um, Aston Martin and now McLaren. And these are meant to be the factory team. They've got all the resources in the world and they're getting beaten by, you know, smaller teams using their hardware. It's crazy. I mean, I'm sure it just takes a little adjusting because Toto has never experienced being mm. wrong before. So yeah. there's going to be a little <laughs> learning curve and you got to give them a year or two, you know? I'm sympathetic to him, yeah. It must yeah, be I mean, really confusing <laughs> to not be dead right. Lewis, I don't think you know what you're talking about. I don't either, but it doesn't matter. Stop saying what we think is broken because we don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. Please, Lewis, you're not an engineer. Just drive the car. We know it's fucking terrible. We know it's a piece of shit. I do like how uh, Lewis goes and checks out the cars after <laughs> as if he's going to pull some information. <laughs> like... You know, he's just inspecting them all. Like, he's going to walk back into that garage and tell everyone what he saw. And like that's going to change the car somehow. But he does it for 10 minutes. Well, look, he is the hall monitor of F1. So, mm -hmm. of course, he's over there inspecting. Surprised he doesn't yeah. stand next to the cars and the drivers when they weigh in. Or pull some sort of test strip out of his suit and test the <laughs> tires or something. <laughs> but he's been saying all year, build a summit that looks like a Red Bull. 
And I suspect next year Mercedes might finally just admit defeat and build something that looks like a Red Bull and maybe they've got a chance. Well, I don't think he's signed that contract yet, so maybe he's waiting till it he gets a car that looks like a Red Bull. I don't know. Matt, hit us with some pulp from the paddock. Then I want to hit some zaddies. Oh, we have a commenter, and I want to acknowledge the commenter. They said this is the third episode of the show in, in a row where you haven't said monogasque. Which mm. is, was a total Monogast. oversight. Monogast. Yes, it, it, they're, they're right to call us out on that. And then also they were pissed that there wasn't a Zaddies last week, which they have uh. every right to be pissed. So I just want to, just for the record, the Monogast driver did come in ninth. So mm. in case you were confused about where the Monogast driver was. But um, Matt, give us some pulp from the paddock and maybe it includes that Lewis update that he might be there for two more years. <laughs> So what we saw on the broadcast, though, was James Vowles was basically replaced by Zach Brown, who is maybe doing drugs because I've never seen that man more excited going through. Like, it was like the most, I don't know if you've watched the movie The Program, where there's this guy on steroids and he's going around and hitting everyone on the pads and losing his mind. And that was Zach Brown just losing it. And like, kudos for him. He's trying to pump up his team. But he was all over the telecast and just amping up that team. It was awesome to see. I kind of made me like him a little bit more, but still he's a villain in my books. I did like when they, he went on with the that last tire change and just kind of own. He's like, well, we'll see. I don't, we don't know if it's going to work. Yeah. It's different than everyone else. It's a risk something. I did like the ownership of like, I don't know where we went with it. We'll hope we hope it works. We'll find mm -hmm. out. We also had Max um, had a crash this weekend, which we haven't seen in forever. Took out his front wing in the pits. Like, I've never seen that happen ever. He actually called it because they always make fun of Charles. And he said, incident. And it's the incident. And he actually said, I had a little incident. And I love how that <laughs> joke just keeps coming back up. And, and isn't that from that clip when they were kids? When yeah. they, yeah, yeah, when they were kids. Yeah. And it keeps being this thing. But um, another, I just want to give uh, Lewis another rare compliment. Listen, and, and I've heard this from drivers. He was an island for the last nine years. He did not interact with people. He didn't come out for the barbecues when they would stay mm -hmm. in the trailers. I feel like this version of him actually wants to have some camaraderie with the drivers. Yeah. He seems like a little more playful with everyone and a little more interactive. And I, I like it a lot. Like Lando came in late to the the press conference after the race and he said, welcome. And But it was playful, you know, and I thought, okay, I might love this dude if he could somehow become bros with all these other drivers. I think that should be a goal of his in the twilight of his career to like actually have some fun with your coworkers. We also have a little bit of validation for us. There was an interview I saw with this British commentary with Max and it was just about his personal life and it was really fun. And at the end of it, he said, do you like this stuff? And he's like, honestly, I'd rather talk about my personal life if it's not too deep because I don't want to get asked the same race questions of like, is my downforce whatever? And I think that's a little bit of validation for what we talked about before, how we're nervous. We need to ask this smart question. But I think sometimes the drivers just, they want to have a break from that, which that was a nice moment. Especially post shit. I would not be surprised if I saw all the commentators start hanging out outside the bathroom. Mm. Yeah, I think that's it's a, a great <laughs> spot. Yeah, I think you guys yeah. may have stumbled onto a tactic that will be employed by all other broadcasters. You, you got to get them when they're most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Brundle's gridwalk is going to be very different oh in the next God. few races. <laughs> Brundle? Well, no, no, they'll get Brundle's grundle. <laughs> he, he had another one. 
<laughs> he did. This was big news. Bundles, Brunder, it's all over. And everyone's kind of like half the crowd is mad at Brundle. Half the crowd is mad at Cara Delevingne. But he walked up to Cara Delevingne and wanted to question. And you see her representative said no. Like he shook his head for her to not answer. Because like a lot of these celebrities, if they answer and they want to be nice, it's a wrong answer. If they don't answer, it's a wrong answer. Then Brundle walks away and he says sarcastically, I'm sure it would have been extremely interesting. If she did comment, like sarcastic. And so there's two camps to it. And he was saying that if you're on the grid walk, you have to comment. But it's not the case. No one signs a contract saying if you're on the grid walk, you have to comment. It's like seems to be the biggest news of the week. And it's off of nothing. I think I'm in that camp. Like if you're going to be there, it's a place where there's people asking questions. You're there to see the last bit before the drivers get onto the track. You can answer one question. You're right. You could you don't say, have to get too I'm in-depth, so excited to be here. I agree. I agree. Come on. L- listen, Brundle, he broadcasts for the UK. Sky does what? USA as well. So it's like the biggest audiences in the world. Everyone should be briefed. This guy is the main man and you mm-hmm. should answer a question if he comes up to you. Yeah. I, I just don't get it. I, I will always go with Brundle on this stuff. Did you guys see the reverie that Pitt gave Brundle. He was bowing. I've been watching you for years. You're the best. Like he gave it up to Brundle in a big way. But of course, that's Brad Pitt. He does everything perfect. I agree. People should talk to Brundle for the record. But I also totally understand where they're all coming from, which is like, they're not diehard F1 fans. It's really a big fun event. They want to go see the circus. They get invited to the grid. They're scared that they're going to be exposed as not belonging there, right? Like they're going to be asked what their favorite team is and they're going to go, I, you know, they don't know shit. I think I'm a little sympathetic to it being motivated by the fear of being exposed as having no business on the grid. <laughs> but fuck, you know, if someone invites you to the grid and you can do that in your lifetime, of course, give it a shot. now. Mm-hmm. you learn a couple things. You go on the grid, you know, hey, I'm, I probably might get asked, so I should have two or three in my pocket. Be prepared. And they're all a guest of someone, you know. They're all. She will have been a guest of Red Bull or whoever. Just if they say who you're here supporting, um, mm-hmm. Max, Red Bull. You know, yeah, it doesn't exactly. seem that hard, you know. Everyone knows Lewis's name. At least say Lewis. You can't go wrong exactly. saying that. <laughs> Although I was at a Little League game uh, yesterday, And I had my Mercedes hat on and I noticed this guy had a bright yellow Mercedes hat on and we were watching the game. He went out and he's like, Oh, I love that hat. Where did you get it? I'm like, yeah, I ordered it online somewhere. And Lewis kind of comes out with one for each track, blah, blah. And I'm like, did you watch the race today? And he seemingly had no idea. There was a race hat he was wearing. He's like, Oh yeah, I got this one in Montreal. And I'm like, Oh, we were at the race too. Were you there? And he's like, Oh no, uh, I was just in Montreal and I saw this hat in this shop. So as I was saying, Lewis and racing, it, it became more and more clear that he had just seen this bright yellow hat and bought it with a Mercedes logo slapped on the front and had no idea that it was tied to a person, let alone who Lewis Hamilton was or any of that. He so, just loved Mercedes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is adjacent to just wearing polo. It's like you're saying, well, I like fancy stuff. Mercedes <laughs> or <laughs> guys who wear Ferrari hats and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is my... My biggest issue when I'm purchasing these hats is I need it to say Formula One racing team on there, not just that you own a Mercedes. I'm going to start wearing a Rolls Royce hat everywhere I go so people know I'm I'm a man of refined taste (laughs) and and of means. I don't think Rolls Royce do caps. No. No, I'm going to commission one. (laughs) 
You're gonna Are you going to commission one? I was going to say it'd be like a bowler hat or something. And the um and the logo on the hat is going to rotate in case I do a headstand, just like the Phantom Center. Just yeah. like the Phantom Wheel. There we go. Yeah. I'm going to go through with a r- little rapid fire to get through some of this stuff real quick. Yeah, hit us hard and fast. Um, Lando had the most epic champagne smash I've ever seen. Most of the time, people just shake it up, and he just took it and smashed it on the podium, and it shot up like 40 feet. I've never seen this move. Kudos for Lando. He's got serious champagne skills. We need him on the podium more. We got another one, which I didn't realize, is I learned on the sim racing setup that the average amount of gear shifts that happen per lap is 40 to 45 gear shifts, whether it's up and down. That, to me, seems a lot more than I anticipated it being. We got uh, the best comment on the radio that I saw was Russell's engineer when he passed on the outside, and the engineer just said, nice job, Buffalo Girls. From the song, Buffalo Girls Go Around the Outside, Round the Outside, Round the Outside. Oh. And I just, I heard it and I was like, where is this from? And then I was like, how do you come up with this shit? It's amazing. <laughs> and then we got to shut it out because you've been tagged in this photo a hundred thousand times. Russell made a Hawaiian shirt with Dark Lord Toto all over it. Surprised Toto while he was eating a sandwich with a napkin, like the simplest lunch with a napkin on his thing. And then he, Russell gifted Toto the same shirt, but with Susie's photo all over it and everyone's saying you need this shirt <laughs> that I, I need this shirt you need the dark lord toto hawaiian shirt i i totally agree i would kill for a shirt though made with him hoisting his children up shirtless on the beach with that back photo <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah i'm just... sure you're gonna get it in three days sent to your house after this <laughs> oh well, listen i also would not mind having that Susie shirt she looks beautiful yeah. in those photos mm-hmm. she's a gem Wonderful yeah. woman. They call her the Kristen Bell of Formula One. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, you had uh, zaddies. Zaddies of F1 for this week. Oh, yeah. Zaddies of F1. We're going with Logan Sargent, oh. our resident American driver. Mm, mm. And this is a family affair. So this is parents and, and some grandparents and an uncle. But um, first thing is he has a, a brother, Dalton, who races in the Craftsman Truck Series. Really? So they've they've got a racing family. Yeah. Dalton sounds like a truck driver's name. Dalton yeah. Sargent. Yeah. It sounds Dalton like a movie. Yeah. It, too cheesy. Like if you saw the movie and the hero was Dalton Sargent, you'd be like, guys, you went way too hard on this Come name. On. Yeah. This- <laughs> Come on. But they are from Florida. Mm. And the money comes from Logan's grandfather. And he started Sargent Marine Incorporated, which ships and produces asphalt. And it's a worldwide shipping company that ships asphalt all over the world. And they've got the largest fleet of these barges and shipping containers for asphalt. Now, Logan's dad is Daniel and Logan's uncle is Harry the third. And so they kind of run these businesses together. Now, Harry has taken them and blown it up. So he has like a giant conglomerate of all these multi-billion dollar oil refineries, oil shipping, alternative energy companies, but he's got an empire that they kind of run. Can I just interject and say, Harry Sargent. Harry Sargent. <laughs> Guys, yeah. no. Harry Sargent. Well, you know him, he's got- that Harry Sargent. What, the yeah. guy with the hair all over the back of his neck? That Sargent? Yes, you know, I'm the Harry Sargent. Harry Sargent the third. Yeah. <laughs> so he, the, the uncle has a, a shitload of these giant oil asphalt shipping companies and multi-billion dollar kind of conglomerate here. And so Logan's dad kind of helps run it because it starts from the grandfather's business. The interesting thing is they've both been under criminal investigation, Logan's dad and uncle, 
their big Republican fundraisers. Oh, dear. They love Trump, right? Yeah. <laughs> so they have donated to some questionable, well, there's been, they've been named in some misappropriation of funds suits. Um, there was one, the uncle was involved in like a Rudy Giuliani trial where they gave money, some bribery money to someone <laughs> over in the Middle East, maybe to displace a allegedly. politician somewhere. Allegedly. This is all allegedly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Logan's dad allegedly pleaded guilty to, well, did he plead guilty? Uh-oh, you need to be precise on this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Allegedly. He did plead guilty. He allegedly pleaded guilty to a conspiracy to commit um, bribery and money laundering through his company. Ooh. So some sort of like deal in Brazil or South America somewhere that I guess he was bribing the local authorities or something. But he pleaded guilty. He's on bond right now, $5 million bond awaiting sentencing. Oh, God. So very interesting, but a big kind of, they're Republican fundraisers and they've gotten in some hot water because of that. Sure. Well, when your racehorses are Giuliani and our man down in Mar-a-Lago, you know, you're you're playing in the mud. Things are going to, things are going to ensnare you. He's on a Five million dollar bail, though. Yeah. Holy, can he go to the races on bail? Can he like go support his son? I wonder. Um, certainly in Miami, I'd imagine. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> and Jethro, you you know everything you need to know about Florida, right? <laughs> <laughs> that that was it. That was it in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. This American dream. I mean, motorsport is basically been a uh, ruse for money laundering since its inception. So this fits in really nicely. In this article, it kind of brought up some other drivers where there's someone in their family was also getting in trouble for money laundering or trying to hide money some one way or another. But the, the last little interesting thing is I assume that kind of the uncle was funding these racing careers of Logan and his brother, but apparently it's not the case. And in fact, Harry sued Logan's dad over a misappropriation of corporate funds for six and a half million dollars because he said he was using these corporate funds for the purpose of advancing the international karting activities. So the uncle was not having any of it and actually sued Logan's dad because he was blowing so much money on this whole karting <laughs> and racing career. Boy, if you're wow. spending six and a half million a year on your karting team, I have to <laughs> imagine you have quite a technological advantage over your competition. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the only hybrid cart technology in existence <laughs> batteries hidden yeah. in the frame rails <laughs> that's that should be a documentary in itself that sounds like a drive to survive special to me it, it, we should call it the six million dollar season and then on the cover is a go-kart you're like wait a minute this, how on earth was there a six million dollars and what's even better is harry in addition to being this giant you know oil tycoon shipping tycoon was a top gun pilot Oh, <gasps> <Wow>. listen, <laughs> you know what? Fucking say what you want about the sergeants. I bet there is not a better 4th of July barbecue than at the oh. sergeants. <laughs> He's barbecuing, having a few beers and hopping in his plane, doing his own little aerial show. A couple American flags there. While the nephews do donuts and overpriced carts. <laughs> I bet they're a blast. That's the thing. No one wants to admit this, but whether you agree with the politics or not, no one's having more fun. You know, if it's just a shootout of fun, you go to Trump. I'm sure you spend a weekend with Trump. It's the best weekend of your life. You go down with Harry the fifth. You know, it's going to be a blast. Well, even Miami when Logan was in his home race, 
the pictures that he was posting that week looked straight out of the new Top Gun movie. Playing football on the beach with all his <laughs> jack bros, hitting the gym, boating. You know, he was living the life for a weekend. Oh, God. What was the Matt and Trey movie? America. Team America? Team America. Yes, they're basically. Team America. Team America. Yeah. They're Team America. But yeah. God, God bless. God bless. God bless the sergeants. Well, look, it's what's what seems semi-consistent is a lot of legal troubles for these families who enter F1. But also for people who aren't familiar with the, the roots of NASCAR, that's a bootlegger sport, right? And funded yes. by bootlegging and with bootlegging drivers. So, you know, I think it's a bit of a, a tradition. Oh, it is. And if you think of like racing throughout the early years, all these race cars in big crates flying from South America back to Europe, et cetera, et cetera. Ah. There have been countless cases of cars being seized and roll cages full of mysterious powders, et cetera. So it's, <laughs> uh, it's definitely, definitely part of the fabric of motor racing. What a carbon footprint those boys have, though. That's quite incredible, isn't it? In, in, in an era of hybrid Formula One cars, they are... Uh, they're really, they're, they're really killing the world single-handedly. Oh, really quick. Can we just say that you and I, in a dream scenario, we kind of tied on our debate about whether there's wood under the car or metal. Do you want to tell people what you discovered is to tie that up? It was a tie. Yeah. I chalk it up to a tie. Ties are interesting, right? But n no one wins. But isn't it weird that they, so they basically have a plank that runs the length of the car to monitor ride height to make sure that they're not running the car too low to the ground so the the wooden plank can't wear out but the plank is supported or held on with these metal is it titanium brackets which is what mm -hmm. causes the spark yeah oh, okay it just seems weird to have planks strapped to the bottom of a formula one car but that's the way it's always it been. it seems like there would be a better option yeah like, whatever it is there would just be a better option than a piece of wood yeah I guess at the end of the day, if it wears out, I mean, you can't cheat, can you? Like, you can't, mm -hmm. if they look under the car and the wood is worn away, then that's what it is. And now when you say it can't wear out, you mean just per regulation. So they check that wood after and make sure that the thickness is the same. Yeah, I assume that's exactly what happens, yeah. I bet you that's the most expensive two-by-four in the world. I bet somehow they're paying $1,000 a linear foot. It's it's a densified engineered plywood, I think. That So yeah, it's not like they're not going down to Home to Depot yard. or whatever it is to buy send, blacks or wood. Send the gopher on the team to go sniff around some building sites to get some scrap. You know, we need something that's about five and a half feet long. I mean, some of these teams might might be strapped in the budget department, so you never know. You don't know. Um. Who's got upgrades coming online in Hungary? Anyone? Is Aston done? Have they played all their cards? Are we just going to see them now fall down the Constructors' Championship? They've recently had an upgrade. So, yeah, I don't think they've got anything else. I don't quite know why they've stalled. It's weird, isn't it? They've, they've gone from always being the challenger and Alonso saying he's not going to drop off the podium again to not looking like they're going to get anywhere near. I know he had a bit of an issue, didn't he, in, um, in quali, but... Yeah, I don't quite know what's going on with them. I think this weird little battle between McLaren, Aston, Mercedes, Ferrari, it's hard to predict where it's going from race to race. Yeah, it'd be really fun to watch McLaren just start chipping away and working its way up. That could make for a, a really heated second half of the season. What did we do with P10? I know my guy decided to retire his car on lap nine, so I pretty much stopped paying attention. 
because it was really a battle between me and Charlie at the end, and then Albon was just, was there for me for a while. Shit the bed and got a penalty <laughs> and didn't have a chance to come back at science and science shocked everyone at ten. I would have liked to win, but more than anything, I'm just glad that Jethro did not win this week <laughs> with you. Uh, yeah, that I, I would have been soul crushing. So we thought Charlie was the kiss of death for Yuki's career, but it turns out it's just this podcast in general. <laughs> <laughs> it's not one specific person. Yeah, We've just I think we need to bring him. him back on for allocation. Everyone can now use Yuki, and maybe it'll come back. As soon as me and Dax use Yuki, he's coming back. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I we was hit so one. Relieved. The iron was hot. Yeah. I got Wilder to start watching the race with me a little bit. He was into watching it, mostly because <laughs> we had that replica car at your house, Dax. And so he, he recognized that one, and he'll watch it. So I think I'm going to get him to watch a little bit and then have him pick a car for me. That's going to be my strategy for P10. I think that's a brilliant idea. Yeah. Let's hope he's not a max fan. Let's sure out the running. Get him in the sim. Well, he might, maybe he'll pick Sergio. He might be a decent P10 pick oh, these days. God. It'd be fun just to get a 20 sided die with all the numbers <laughs> on it and just roll it into a corner. I do think that there's some merit to the strategy of just sticking with someone. Mm-hmm. I can feel myself just committing to Alcon despite the early retirement. I did choose Science once, one of the early rounds. Can't remember which race it yeah. was, but I chose him because I was like, Ferrari are nowhere. But he was like third that day, <laughs> I think. So Yeah, I was the wrong one. I was just a bit early. I think he's the worst pick, to be honest. I feel like he either DNFs or is in the top eight. I thought it was so rare that he, it was so bizarre to see him in 10th. Didn't feel right. Well, listen, guys, it's a whole new era, one filled with McLaren potential that could make the rest of the season riveting. We're all excited. I'm coming around on Lando. I do have to say, I usually don't talk about his looks because I'm a little bit irked by him, but he's fucking gorgeous. I was watching those interviews with him. I'm like, he's a damn good looking kid. He's got a lot of swagger. And he's only going to get hotter and hotter as he works his way up. Can't imagine anyone looking hotter than if he gets to P1. It could be dangerous. Well, boys, I love you. I love this sport. I'm looking forward to Hungary. I hope everyone has an incredible week. We'll be back next Thursday. And until then, I encourage you to push, 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 box, 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 push. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.